Father, we thank you for the great privilege it is to be here uh, in worship, to be together. Thank you, Lord, for having drawn us here by the Holy Spirit. And as we open up Scripture, I pray, Father, that you would touch each one of us in this room, that you might speak to us right where we are, and that we might meet you. We might be transformed in the image of your Son, Jesus. We may leave here, Lord, with a greater vision of what you're doing in and through us and uh, with a greater freedom and joy that you intend for us to offer the world as a gift. So we commit this time to you in Jesus' name and everybody said, all right, thank you. Welcome and uh, good morning. So I'm actually finishing the series uh, that Rich began called Burnout, uh, Caring for Yourself in an Exhausted World. And uh, my theme is limits, uh, God's grace in disguise. Limits God's grace in disguise from 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 12. So uh, this theme, if you, if you can get uh, what I'm saying here today uh, on, a, on, a, on a level where it actually touches you deeply, it will, it will free you. I mean, it will free you and your life uh, to a dimension of joy uh, and contentment uh, that I don't know if there's another way to it, actually. Uh, this has been an issue I've struggled with for years, uh, and I'm still learning and growing it, this idea of limits and the biblical teaching on limits because it's so counter our culture that we live in. And, uh, you know, there's a great verse in Genesis says, in 28 where Jacob says, surely the Lord was in this place and I was not aware of it. Limits is one of those places where we don't see God, but God is very much active and, and relevant and moving. And my prayer and hope today is that you're going to see him in your own life in a fresh way. So with that, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a, um, uh, a little inventory right now. And I'm going to ask, if, you have, if you've got a pen, to write down the answer to this. Uh, uh, what, what my limits in this season are. That's, that's the, that's the uh, opening sentence. My limits in this season of my life are. Now, so I want you to be thinking about it. I'm going to give you a list. And you're going to write down the things that apply to you. So it could be uh, things that are, think of things that are hard in your life right now. Do you have things that are hard? All right. Or things that maybe you're resentful about or you're struggling with that they're in your life. And so just make a note. So for example, your limit uh, or something hard in your life might be children that you're raising that have special needs or just children in general, they're small. Uh, it may be caring for an aging parent uh, and their needs. Uh, something difficult, uh, uh, a limit might be you are coming out of an addiction and you're in recovery. And so now you've got to, that limit of managing your life in such a way that you don't regress or relapse. Uh, maybe it's emotionally you're fragile uh, on, on a level of, uh, whether it's anxiety or prone to depression or dysregulation, uh, isolation, maybe it's rage, but you, you, you know you've got this, these tendencies and it's a limit for you that you've got to manage. Uh, Perhaps it's scars and holes in your heart that you carry from your family of origin or your lack of a family of origin. And, uh, you know, messages that are inside of you, maybe it's being a loser, or, you know, maybe it's poverty or abuse, whatever may have happened in your family of origin that, that, you're, that you recognize as a limit today as an adult. 
Uh, perhaps it's your physical body limitation some of you are carrying, uh, whether it's hepatitis or, you know, or whether it's a cancer, whether it's your sight, whether it's your hearing, whether it's your age. Uh, if you're single, that's a limit. If you're married, that's a limit. Oh yeah, I heard that. Okay. <laughs> Is your wife here right now? All right. I suspected that. The season of life that you're in is a limit. So, for example, if you're a teenager, uh, that's a limit. If you're in your 20s, you're limited. Just in life experience, you're starting out. If you're in your 30s, that's a limit. You kind of cement your career. If you're in your 40s, different kind of limits, midlife. 50s is another set of limits. 60s, 70s, we have someone, 80s, 90s in our church here, a couple. You know, that's got its own set of limits. But every decade has a set of limits that, you, that come with it, that you've got to manage as you go through life. Uh, your intellectual, I know you think you're smart, but even your intellectual capacities are a limit. Uh, you, spiritually, you've got limits. Uh, just what you know about God, your, 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 how many talents you've got. You got maybe some of your very gifted, you got 10 talents, you know, and, but the, no one's got them all. Uh, your past failures are a limit. Uh, so, say, for example, you spent some time in federal prison. Uh, and now you've got this record that dogs you in life, and some of you do. Uh, that, that's a limit uh, that you carry. Uh, maybe some decisions you made that took you down some roads that you would have preferred not to go down, uh, but it's a limit now as, as you manage your life. Uh, perhaps English is not your first language. That's a limit. Uh, maybe you immigrated here from another country. Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a limit. Maybe your, maybe your extended family is not here. Uh, maybe you have papers, your green card, but not your citizenship. Maybe you don't even have that. Maybe you're here without papers, and you've got that you're carrying, uh, that limit. Uh, financially, wherever you are, I, I know uh, you may think you're very rich. You've got financial limits. Uh, you may have debt. That's a financial limit uh, that you carry. And depending on the, the level of debt, debt is a level of a limit. Now, we can go on to personalities as well. And, you know, some of us, are, some of us like myself, are high extroverts, but that carries a limit where we drive people crazy, you know? Some of us are high introverts. We, we, we lose energy by being with people. That's a gift, but it's also a limit. You know, maybe you're a good detail, planner, organized person. Uh, that, that's good, but it's also a limit. Maybe you're spontaneous and creative and go with the flow. It's a gift, but it's also a limit. So again, we can take personality and start diving into that. So you can add to the list that I just gave you. Uh, but just think for a second, what are the things in your life that are driving you crazy? really hard in your life, and just write them down, or just note them in your phone. These are some of my limits I'm carrying, because uh, we tend to feel shame about them, want to hide them, deny them, uh, and today we're going to talk about limits as God's grace in disguise. And so we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to read to you verses 7 to 12. It's a tremendous text uh, written by the Apostle Paul to a church in Corinth. And uh, so you, you, can, you can look at it on your phone or your Bible here. And here's what thus says the Lord, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Paul writes, because of these surpassingly great revelations, uh, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Okay, the famous verse. Okay, so I, I was raised in you know, the United States, and I was told as a kid, I remember our teachers saying things like this to us in, in school, elementary school, you can do anything you want. You can become anything you want. And uh, if you make the effort, if you work hard enough, you put the energy into it, you want to be president? You can be president. Well. <laughs> you want to be a doctor? You can be a doctor. You want to be a brain surgeon? You can be a brain surgeon. You want to be a lawyer? You can be a lawyer. You want to, be, you want to play music in Carnegie Hall? You can do that too. You want to be Bill Gates and the richest man in the world? You can do that. You want to be Mother Teresa? You can do that. You know, and go down the list. You want to be an Olympian? You can do that. You want to run the New York Marathon and break the four, you know, break a three hours? You can do that if you put your mind to it. And the list goes on. You, know, you want to get a perfect score in your SATs? You can do that. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know. You want to be an investment banker? We can go down the list. You can do that. So in, in our culture, it kind of, it, it breeds, in, if you look into American history, uh, in the birth of the country, this idea of no limits is, is, in, is in the whole American ethos, you know. This idea of like, you know, open the western frontier and, you know, break the break the sound barrier and rags to riches and, you know, and, and, and uh, you, you know, discovering cyberspace and just this whole idea of like bigger, better, more. It's part of Western culture. And, and so we resist this idea of limits. We, we hate the idea of limits. We, you know, because this world's message to us is, is like, you know, hey, you can do it. Now, recently, um, I, I, I tore a small tear in my shoulder, rotator cuff, small thing. And so, you know, this orthopedic said, you start lifting weights, you know. I'm like, all right, I'll try that. I'll, I'll, do, I'll do some light weight lifting, you know. So I, you know, I got a little personal trainer, and so I started working on, you know, some very light, you know, bench pressing and things like that, you know. And I find this young 24-year-old personal trainer, you know, and I go once a week for 30 minutes, and I didn't know there were so many things you can do with your muscles, you know. I had no idea. Just one just your shoulders, there's so many different things you can do with little weights, you know, just to, he's, he's, he's like dealing with every muscle, you know, and so of course he's trying to get me to be a steady client. And so, he, so he now, he, now he's trying to show me the fact that I got a lot of other things I got to work on, you know, and, 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 and that there's, there's so many like things, muscles, and I, I should be working on my thighs and my calves and my back and my neck, trapezoid and this and that. And I realized, oh my gosh, you know, I said, it's a full-time job. He goes, oh, absolutely, he said. He goes, are you kidding me? There are celebrities that have full-time personal trainers living with them. Okay, they're paid $10,000 a week to live, and they're working on different muscles every day. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know. And, and, and so he's basically saying, Pete, you could be this. You can, you can do it. And I'm sitting there, and I'm saying to myself, First of all, I don't know about the tattoo, all right? That's, that's the first thing, first thing I'm concerned about. But I'm like, I, I think I have limits here. I, you know, I, I, but he, believe me, every week, he's egging me on to be this. And so you know, the great challenge here, when we talk about really pastor like Paul's, is we, we hate limits. I, I hate the idea, like, I can't be this, you know? 
And, and so I'm like, a, I'm like a, I hit limits and I get angry, you know, and I, I'm like a lion or a tiger in a cage, like, oh my gosh, you know, and, you know, I hate these things. And, you know, somebody, somebody was in our, uh, an ex-member of New Life was here a few weeks ago, and he, he had moved to Austin, Texas. And he was telling us about, about life in Austin, Texas, and he was telling us about the parking lots when you go shopping. That, you know, for example, you go to Target, and there's this massive parking lot. You don't even know where you want to park. There's so many spaces. He goes, Pete, you can't believe it. So after church, I go shop. I got to buy some food at Stop and Shop, you know, and after fighting for parking, and I get my parking spot, and then I realize I don't have a quarter for, for my shopping cart. I just want to get a shot. I want to buy some things. I, but so, you know, the car, I can't find a quarter. Then, then I got to go inside. I got to get on a long line to get a quarter, change my dollar, then I got to go back. I, I'm, I'm tired. I just, and I'm thinking about the parking lot in Austin, Texas. And I'm suddenly very angry at New York and all the limits here. I can't even get a free shopping cart. And so the, the reality is you have limits. You have, you're human, you're not God. Only God is without limits. And you cannot be and do whatever you want. You're not in charge. So this passage is, is written by Paul. Now, the apostle Paul was brilliant. The guy was brilliant, super gifted. I mean, he was probably the greatest Christian that ever lived. I mean, he wrote almost half the New Testament. I mean, the guy, after the resurrection of Jesus, I mean, he planted churches all over the empire. I mean, it was amazing. Uh, and so he planted this church in the city of Corinth, which is a lot like New York City, a big city in the you know, Roman Empire. And, but after he left this church, some other people came in that basically took charge. They were, they were like super leaders. They were very charismatic. They had all this... Revelation. They were apparently tremendous speakers, brilliant, had all these visions and dreams from God. And they basically said to the Corinthian church, this guy, Paul, he's not even a good speaker. Okay, he's not even anointed. You know, he doesn't have it. You know, basically, follow us, forget Paul. So Paul obviously is upset about this. And so Paul writes them this letter of 2 Corinthians. And he's right now in this, we're picking it up, where he is... Uh, defending himself, basically, in his authority. And he begins by saying, hey, listen, guys, you know, I, I've had a lot of revelations. And uh, I've, in fact, he goes, 14 years ago, he goes, I actually was transported in, into the third heavens, whatever that is. I saw and heard things that are inexpressible. And he goes, I could go on and on about that. And I'm thinking to myself, please do. I mean, it sounds like a good movie to me or a book deal at least. But Paul says, I am not going to talk about those things. I'm not going to boast in those things to you. He goes, what I'm going to boast in is my limits and my weaknesses. And he turns the whole thing upside down. And uh, he says, no, the basis of my authority in life comes from my limits. That's the shocker. So here's what he says. He goes, because of these surpassingly great revelations. I understand, Paul was a gifted guy, sharp guy, brilliant guy, with a lot of insight and revelations. He doesn't Use that to say, hey, here I am. Like, watch out. He says, no, in order to keep me from being conceited, and I'll talk about that in just a second, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. There, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Now, catch this. Um, he, he, he's, he's, he's got this 
thorn in the flesh. Now, uh, it's actually called a messenger of Satan. That's no joke. So, so it's something that was not, in a sense, it's demonic. Uh, it's painful. He doesn't want it. It's awful. And he asked God repeatedly, he says three times. Actually, it's a Hebrew way of saying, I asked God over and over and over, take this thing away from me. Have you ever said that? God, like, get this out of my life. Solve it. And he's pleading with God to take it away from him. And uh, so it's actually, the word thorn is an interesting word. In ancient times, that particular word meant this kind of a, it was meant like, a, like a, a stake in the ground that was used to keep the enemies from attacking the city. So Paul says, I got one of these inside of me. And he's like, God, it is painful. Take this away. My wife and I joked, my wife joked to me. She goes, Pete, some of your thorns, not only do they go through you, they go through you right to me. I said, oh my God, that's not good, that's not good. Now, we don't know what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. He doesn't tell us, but there's, there's a number, here's a few theories about it. Uh, one is that he had a physical ailment. Like physically, he had some kind of either deformity, he couldn't see in his eye, he had eye problems. Some think he had a, speech de a serious speech defect. Uh, others think he had epilepsy. But something physically, that even though this guy could do miracles and heal other people, he couldn't heal himself. And they would mock him as like a sick Pentecostal, like a sick charismatic healer, you know? Couldn't even heal himself. Others think it was a spiritual temptation, that, that, that Paul, uh, you know, Paul had a, had a, he was a really headstrong guy, you know? That he had a tendency to bitterness or anger or, you know, rage, and he would like, like roll over people. Uh, Others think it was his, his thorn in the flesh may have been the numbers of people that hated him and wanted him dead. I mean, that's no joke. And that he was constantly being misunderstood and attacked. Again, we don't know. All we know is it was evil. He asked God to take it away. And, uh, and so finally God speaks to him and says, Paul, you don't get it about this limit in your life. And the Lord says to him, because of these surpassingly great revelations I was given, it was given to me from becoming conceited, this thorn in the flesh. God said, I gave this to you, Paul, to humble you, to keep you from arrogance, from pride. In fact, in the original text, it reads this literally. In order to keep me from being conceited, comma, in order to keep me from being conceited, like twice for emphasis, it was given to me this God allowed this. He wasn't the author of it, but God allowed it in my life to free me from this thing of pride. Now, what pride is, is pride is acting independently of God. Pride is you, you're, 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 you're kind of your entitlement. You think you're more than you are. Humility is being, it actually literally is being pressed to the ground. It's being grounded. Humility strips us of pretenses that we're better than anybody in the whole world, you know, it, 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 just, it, 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 just, it, it just keeps us in a place of meekness, op openness, and many of us, we're too high. We're not grounded. And God says, I, I allow limits in your life to ground you, to get you onto the ground. Now, Paul, if he didn't have these limits, now listen, whatever was going on with Paul, this thorn in the flesh, Paul was dangerous. The guy was so gifted and headstrong, so gifted, so brilliant, so amazing, that if he didn't have whatever this thorn in the flesh was, I'd scare to think of what he would have been. And he saw it. 
that God had to have allowed this to him or else he was actually dangerous. Well, friend, do you want to hear this? The same applies to us. That God knows we need it to keep us grounded and to teach us this thing called uh, humility. That's what he says, it was given to me as a gift and I received it finally as a gift, not something I hated. And then he realizes, he goes, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. I love that. Okay, my power is made perfect in weakness. So he said, you know what I'm In your limits that make you weak, if you allow it, power is made perfect. What that means is power expresses itself in such a unique, full way in limits that can come out no other way. Paul doesn't know why God's power is made perfect in weakness. It was, therefore, I'm not only, I'm not only like not hiding this, I'm not only not like trying to walk in shame with this thing, I'm not only, I'm, I'm, I'm boasting all the gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me, his Shekinah glories, that's literally what it says. That's why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, insults, hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. How many of us can say such a thing? Because I delight in limits. It's God's grace in disguise for me. For when I am weak, then his strength is manifest. No, 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 God, let's not do it that way. We said, let's do it another way. Because this is painful. This cuts us down to size. This is like a, you know, it's like a death. See, limits are a door. If you'll embrace them, it's a door. Now, you don't have to. There are people that go to their deathbed angry at God. Angry at limits that I have to die. I've seen it. Curse it. So if you don't practice it now, I can tell you one thing. You won't do well as you grow older. You will not. Practice now, and you'll grow older and have a wonderful 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. But if you hate it in your 20s, you'll hate it in your 80s. You'll be a miserable person to be around. It's a very critical skill, very critical truth to really absorb. Now, so limits are a door. They're a door, everybody. And I'm gonna give you a number of things they're a door to. Number one, it's a door to humility. That's number one. Uh, thank God for limits. Number two, it's a door to communion with Jesus. It's a door to communion, a depth of communion with Jesus that is inaccessible any other way. And that's what Paul says here. Sort of, I, I, I boast all the more gladly so that Christ's power might rest on me. He was getting a, 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 a communion with Jesus, a, a oneness with Jesus in, in his glory that came in the worst place. And then it's also, limits are a door to a revelation of Jesus. There are things you learn about Jesus through limits that are learned no other way. In fact, you can read it in a book. It's helpful in a textbook. It's helpful in a sermon, but you can never fully get the revelation unless you walk it. Uh, it's also limits are a door to direction. In other words, God's directing your life through limits. There, there are limits that he's trying to get you in a certain path. You say, no, I don't want to go that path. I, I know. He's, but he's trying to get you that path. And you say, no, no, God, I got this plan. And his limits are meant to be doors taking you down a road. And you gotta, that's why discernment's so important. And there are also, limits are a door to mission. They're, they're really, they're a key way that we, we discern, what does God want for my life? Where, where is he taking me? Like, 
how can I make a difference in the world? And how's he coming to me? So, yeah, hold on to that one. I love when Paul says, for when I'm weak, then I'm, I'm powerful. You see, the weaker I get, one, one translation is, the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Think about this. The more limited I am, the stronger I am. Now, it's so counterintuitive, isn't it? So think about this for a second. Think of the whole biblical teaching. Think of all, think, think, of, think of step back. Think of Abraham and, and uh, Sarah. Limits. She was 89 and he was 99. They still had not had their first baby. Okay? Limits. Think of the limits of that one. And they become a mother and father of nations. Think of Moses. The guy's 80 years old. He should be retiring. Okay, he's 80. He's got a severe speech impediment. He can't really speak. Okay? So we got to get Aaron to speak. And, 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 and his limitations when God calls him out of that burning bush, and yet he leads the people, two, three million out in the whole exodus. I mean, think of Elijah and Jeremiah. If you struggle with depression, I mean, these guys both wrestled with suicide wanting to die. They are major, the major prophets of their time, speaking of, speaking of God to their nation, out of their limits. It's extraordinary. Think of, you know, Timothy leading a church. The guy was fearful in Ephesus. Incredibly limited. God has him in Ephesus. Paul puts him in charge. The apostle John, the, the guy was sent as a prisoner to the island of Patmos in exile. Limits at the end of his life. But in, when, in that limited place of prison, he gets a revelation. Of, it's called the book of Revelation. The last book of the Bible came out of a limit. We would not be enjoying the revelation of the end of history if God had not put John in that situation of a limit. And then, of course, you think of Jesus. I mean, Jesus, the ultimate limit. God becoming a human being in the person of Jesus. Dying on a cross for the world. I mean, limit. God contracted to a span, the God of the universe, to, to die for humanity. I mean, that's the ultimate of weakness and the foolishness of the world becoming the power of God. It's the opposite of the way we think. Limits we run from, God has no limits at the place of my power, you know, if you'll see them. And so, I don't, in this room, some of you, it doesn't matter how smart you are, it doesn't matter how rich you are, it doesn't matter the color of your skin, it doesn't matter your age or your culture. Do you know what? Limits cuts across everybody's life. Every one of us in this room, some more than others. It's a universal human experience. The question is, how do you see them in your life right now? And some of you, this is you. You are just, you're freaked out. You're resentful, and you're angry, and you're saying, that person ruined my life. Uh, or you can receive God's revelation in it. You can receive them as God's grace in disguise. And Paul did. Paul received them. And you know what? Uh, he became soft and approachable and meek, uh, loving. Uh, his life became a gift. And uh, so the question is, what are you going to do? What, what, what do you want to do with that right now? Because you really do have a choice. I, you, know, I, you know, many of us are like this horse on the left. The word for meekness, see, it's brokenness that's manifested towards other people. Now, I know you're not like this, but some of us have a hot temper, and we have a lot of opinions about a lot of things. And our, our pride manifests in our criticalness and judgmentalism. And, a, and uh, the word for that is a wild horse. One of the things where a wild horse, like you can't get near a wild horse because they, they could kick you, you know, kill you. They, they kick through fences. They got to be contained. 
But the word for blessed are the meek uh, is, a, is, is, is a word that we use in ancient times for a broken horse. Like, that's a broken horse. Uh, soft, approachable. A child can go up and, and hug a broken horse. See, broken horses are safe, okay? So the question is, how's God gonna get you from this to this? And the answer is limits, 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 and limits. So that you're actually uh, like that. So I'm gonna give you some examples here. This is John Milton. John Milton, or painting of John Milton, 1600s. He was a great um, you know, author. I mean, he was, I mean, he wrote a book that is considered, uh, you know, perhaps the greatest poem or in English, liter English literature called Paradise um, Lost. Uh, and in the 1600s, he was alive, he went blind, and physically he could not see the world. But in his limit of blindness, he was able to see spiritual realities with such a clarity that he wrote this unbelievable book called Paradise Lost. That's, you know, if you study English literature like I did in school, it, you know, you, you have to study that book. Beethoven. Uh, many folks don't know. In 1801, he began to go deaf. By 1817, he was completely deaf. But his greatest works were composed after he went deaf. I'm trying to figure that out. How do you write a, the Ninth Symphony after you're deaf? He wrote the Ninth Symphony after he was deaf. And when he performed it, he actually led the orchestra, which I can't figure that one out either. He's deaf. And after it was over, the, cloud, the crowd went crazy behind him, but they had to, a person had to turn him around to see them applauding because he couldn't hear a thing. In tremendous limits came enormous genius. Uh, this is Alice from our church, attends first service, uh, and Alice had been blind since birth from the Bronx. And she was, you know, she's in her early 60s now. There weren't many services for blind people, and I can tell you that, in the Bronx 60 years ago. Uh, and uh, she, she's one of my heroes at New Life. She comes here with her seeing eye dogs, and she leads a whole ministry called Helping Hands for the Disabled. She manages and coordinates people helping disabled people throughout the five boroughs of New York, getting, hooking up people like all those who could see to help so-and-so in Staten Island get to the doctor's office and go shopping and buy some clothes. And she's managing all this blind. And then she wrote a book. She wrote a book. A book. It's unfathomable. Blind. I'm, 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 I'm writing a letter to Angela Jolie to play her part. I think it's amazing, okay? There she is. Never be discouraged with God. All things are possible, but at tremendous limits. This is Marie Wood. She goes to our church as well, second service person. Uh, and Marie and her husband David have two children uh, who are severely disabled with what's called myotubular myopathy. And uh, Reed and uh, Paley. And her, she is extraordinary. She gave her testimony. She was up here a number of, a year ago. When she speaks, she's like a walking oracle, all right? I mean, she's almost, I asked her to send me some thoughts on what limits, how it's changed her life. I mean, I got, you know, a few pages, single space. They're unbelievable. When you talk to her, you're like, oh my God. And she talks about how I used to be an in-control person before I had these kids. And she married a husband, an ex-con, the whole thing with that too. And, and for her, she goes, she's so full of joy. 
She's so full of freedom. All she sees is gifts in life that you look at her, you're like, oh my gosh. But she gets it, that these limits and these children have been of God's greatest gifts to me in my life. And you're sitting here and say, oh Lord, do you know? You know, um, Jean Vanier works also out of France, uh, Canadian who worked out of France, created large communities, uh, and works with you know, disabled, severely disabled uh, adults. And he wrote this, we live in a culture of success and winning, a culture of power, a culture of knowledge. And the result is we very often leave behind those who are weaker. The cry for help that springs up from the heart of a fragile person gives him or her a secret power that can open many a closed heart. There's something that comes out of us. We are the ones who are the fragile people. That's how we're meant to walk through the earth in Jesus' name. And we offer that gift to the world of change. You know, uh, I, I, used to, I used to hate all the limits that we have at New Life Fellowship. We have a lot of limits here. I mean, limits of location, limits of parking, in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> you know, limits of building, you know, just limits. Limits of us and queens and all that. And, uh, you know, I used to joke around. I said, our, we, don't even, we don't even do smoke machines during worship, you know. Just regular worship. No smoke. I'd go to these places and speak, and they had $80 million buildings and parking lots for thousands of cars. I said, oh, gosh. And I hear this voice, you loser, Pete. You know, you loser. You know. we, have, we have water coming in from the ceiling, you know. And it's just regular folk, you know, new life, just us, you know. And, and it took me a long time to realize, oh, my gosh. It's like in, it's our limits that are our gift to the world. It's our weakness and brokenness of who we are, even just as a whole, as a church. That's our greatest gift to the world. And I realized, oh my gosh, God took new life. This new life, we're not the richest, slazzy, sneeze, you know, slickest church in the world. It doesn't matter. But God took out of that limits and actually took us like all over the world. Like it happened kind of like we never even planned for it, but it came out of our, our, our weakness. And we, we were talking recently, we, you know, a lot of churches want to do the emotionally spirituality course. And we figure, how are they going to do the EHS course? Like, how are they going to do it? And we're like, well, let's try, you know, we don't want, we can't be traveling all over the world. Let's do live streaming. They can watch. And so we started doing a few live streaming events, how to do the EHS course. And now people are watching from all over the world. And I met this guy two weeks ago from South Africa. He said, oh, yeah, yeah we're doing the EHS course in, you know, our city. And, and I said, well, how do you know what to do? He goes, oh, we watched you on live stream. There's only 20 of us in the room, you know. He goes, oh, yeah, he goes, it was like we were, it's like we were in the room. But the limit of our own limitations created a strategy that ends up touching the whole world. And it's just amazing to us. We're like, who would have ever imagined? New life is full of limits. Our, our, our commitment to reconciliation across race, cultural, gender, our commitment to the poor, our commitment to discipleship, our commitment to if you're single, get disciple, if you're married, get disciple, or our commitment just to, to contemplative monastic spirituality. All these are limits that we're gonna do discipleship that deeply changes people and it limits us. And it's a gift. Although initially I used to fight against it, now I think, oh my gosh, Lord, it's a blessing. And I wouldn't want it any other way. You know, some of you know my own story. I mean, I realize emotionally healthy spirituality in any book that's been written out of our church here that I've penned has come out of my own deep brokenness. I mean, I, when I think of my childhood, and the limits of my family of origin growing up, my abuse that I experienced growing up, that I used to always feel like I was behind, like I didn't know what was going on because I had such a 
such a painful life behind closed doors. And over the decades, I always felt like I, it was like something, I just didn't, I was always behind. And my wife reminds me, you've still got some holes, and it's true. And I like to say that I lost a leg in a war of life. I did, but, and, I, and I walk with a limp, but I walk. But that limp continues to ground me. And every time I try to escape it and run away from it and make like I'm something I'm not, I always fall flat on my face. Because I realize, no, God said, I'm gonna keep you that way until the day you die. And because that is actually the place of power. And as much as I don't like it, and much I'd say, God, just heal me 100% so I can forget the whole thing. God said, I'm gonna keep you weak. I said, okay, if that's your way, you know. You know, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, God's ways and our ways are just so different. I like to, I'm a very curious person, and I like to know what's going on. I like to learn things. The problem is that right now, they say more information has been learned in the last 30 years than existed the previous 5,000. That every 13 months, the amount of information available to us doubles. Think about that. In 13 months, we already, thank God, why go to school? It's obsolete in 13 months. No, go to school, of course. But the point is I can't keep up, so I always feel, we can always feel overwhelmed and always feel like we're behind and distracted and we can't pay attention to anything. So we're never present because we're always somewhere else because we're not accepting our limits. I can't sustain attention to everything at the same time. So one great way to embrace the gift of limits is, is this, these four statements by a philosopher named Albert Borgman uh, in the United States. He writes this, every day say this, there's no place I'd rather be. Look around and say, oh, okay, right now there's no place I'd rather be. Okay. Secondly, say every day there's nothing I would rather do than what I'm doing right now. There's nothing I would rather, I don't want to be somewhere else. Just be present and be attentive right where you are. Thirdly, there is no one I'd rather be with. Now look around. Someone said, I don't like the person sitting next to me. I said, how about that, you know? <laughs> they said it to each other. Uh, there's no one else I'd rather be with. I'm right where God wants me. And then he goes, this I will remember well, Albert Borkman. It's a great statement. Limits, I recognize the limits of life and I embrace them. So I, I, got, I have a new word I, I use in many days. I'll, at the end of a day, because work is never done. You can always go on, right? Go on Twitter, Facebook, whatever. I'd say, enough. Enough, call it a day. Limits. People say, you're busy. I say, no, I'm not busy, I'm just limited. We all got the same amount of time, we just can't squeeze it all. We can't, you only do so much because you're limited. Your days are limited. All right, so listen, when, you're, when, you're, when you find yourself anxious, I have my, when I find myself hurrying, when I find myself not present, when I find myself scattered, when I find myself starting to strive and control and manipulate, I know I'm out of my limits. I've crossed the line here and I'm in dangerous territory. And you gotta know that when you cross that line and you ignore limits, and you're just like trying to make it all happen, you, you are now in the enemy's territory. Like you're, you're in a bad place. And now all kinds of things can start happening. And if anything you learn from Genesis three, when our first parents, Adam and Eve, violated the gift of limits right there in the Garden of Eden and grabbed that tree, they were not supposed to touch it, they crossed the limits, all hell broke loose. And the same thing in your life, you may be here today, and you know what, all hell's broken loose in your life, because you're trying to live a life that's not yours to live. You're trying to take charge of something you're not supposed to take charge of because God's trying to get you grounded and you're trying to lift yourself up. And God says, I love you and I've got power for you 
I've got revelation for you. I've got a mission for you. I've got direction for you. I've got communion for you. But it's not the way you think. It's going to come to you through limits. The limits I've given you are my grace in disguise. So some of you have severe limits. And you know what? Because you've got great revelation coming your way. God's got a great purpose for your life. God is taking you somewhere. And right now those limits are meant to be received like Paul did because he says, my, your, grace is my, your grace is sufficient for me. And your power is made perfect. It's somehow, I like the way he puts it, your power comes into its own in my limits. Think about that. Your power is made perfect in weakness. Another translation is, your power or your strength comes into its own in my weakness and limits. Something comes out of that that can come out no other way. So you may think you're the least blessed. God may say you're the most blessed because you have an ability to connect and give to people out of that weakness and limits like nobody else. And so that's why Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power might rest on me. So amen and amen. Let's have, invite the worship team to come on forward and let's all stand together and let's worship. All right, listen, some of you have been knocked down by life. <clears throat> and, uh, and I want you to hear the, 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 the thrust here of Paul is not simply being humbled. It's, it's actually getting up with Christ because he's got something tremendous for you. He's got something that only you can do out of your journey, out of your form that maybe you're carrying today. And, and rather than feel like, oh, I'm a loser. No, he's saying, you don't understand. God's got great power for you, a great gift, and the world can beat you down. But the Lord has got something tremendous for you. And what Paul did was he offered himself as a vessel. Do you understand? He, he was like, okay, Lord, let your power rest on me. I surrender myself to you. There are people knocked down with thorns that never get up. Okay, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about fulfill your unique calling and destiny for your life for the rest of your life, till the day you give your last breath, that your limits will grow with time. But yes, you give great opportunity to give glory to God out of your weakness, that his strength might be made perfect inside of you. That's the beauty of it. That's what, you know what, we connect on vulnerability. We don't connect on our successes and the world's definition of that. We connect in our brokenness together, everybody. That's why we love to be around broken, vulnerable people. They're real. That's us. That's Paul here. And so I want to invite you to, to say yes. And maybe some of you are coming out of, your, out of anger and rage and apathy. And maybe you've been so down you've not gotten up. But I want to invite you today to get up. And we've got some prayer teams over here to your uh, right. And they'll pray with you. And you've got to just receive prayer for, oh, God, I need a miracle. Because I know about you. My thinking has been so twisted up on this issue. It's taking years to get it straight. I'm still in my own process because every message coming from the world is the opposite. The opposite of this. And so we, we are a countercultural new family of Jesus and we live on the cross, upside down kingdom of God. So I want to invite you to come forward for prayer. We've got the Lord's table to your left as well and come and eat and drink of Jesus. Friends, we want to abide in Jesus deeply. We want to still our souls so we drink of Jesus. And we can live this kind of a wonderful, joyful life that God intends for us. Because it really is a joy, everybody. This is an overflowing cup. 
that comes from a different place, a different source, and the source is Him. So I invite you to open your hands up towards heaven. Let me speak a blessing over you. We'll call it a, our service here. The Lord sees you today and He loves you more than you could ever imagine. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you. And may the Lord open your eyes to see that your limits and your weaknesses are your place of greatest strength, greatest gift. May the Lord give you the courage to follow him on this downward path that may seem foolish, but it is for your glory and the glory of God. So may you be blessed as you leave here. And may the God give you hope and vision for what he wants to do in and through you. And may you receive revelation and depth of communion and clarity of direction like you never imagined as you bring your limits and your weaknesses to Jesus. So be blessed, I pray, as you leave this place in his name. And everybody said, amen. amen. I thank you, everybody. So please come.